Let's go to this morning over to the Gospel of Luke with me for a moment. And uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, healing. The Lord gave me this because, you know, when you teach a subject like this, people are so bizarre in their thinking, unfortunately, that they, they've watched too many Hollywood movies. And they're almost intimidated to talk about the devil. You see, the more you don't talk about him, the more gain he has. The more inroads he has. And, and the Wizard of Oz is a perfect demonstration. You know, the guy up on the screen and belching out fire. For, you know, it's all just a big facade. And it's that little wiener behind the curtain. And it took the dog to expose him. Just a little four-footed creature. So how much more should we, we understand this? And the Lord gave me that term to talk to you about. And we're going to look at several scriptures today, of course, about the fact that deliverance is just another form of healing. See, I'm trying to get it because I think people think, well, you know, I love God and I'm a believer, but that deliverance stuff, oh, my God, I don't want to fool with that. Well, that may be the very thing you need that you don't want to fool with. That's right. That's right. <laughs> No, I don't think everybody's full of the devil, but I think the devil can uh, have inroads to believers and sometimes significantly if we don't know how to shut all the doors. You remember that from last night? So let's look here in Luke chapter 4 and uh, verse 18, first of all. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Now notice that. The Spirit of God was on Jesus, and that anointing was on him. He says, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind. So what I'm trying to show you is that he says in the midst of all these other things, he's going to teach us how to not be poor. And if you have a broken heart, he can heal that. But he, preach, he says to preach deliverance to the captives as a separate thing that's part of what he's called to do, what he's anointed to do. Yeah, yeah. Amen. To preach deliverance to the captives. Yeah. See, when, we, when we're captive, we're, we're limited. Yes. Yes. All right, all right. Now, let, now let's move on here. Let's, we're going to do a little a word study for just a minute, which will be helpful to us. Now remember, what did I say this is called? Deliverance is just another form of healing. See, if you get that in your thinking, let that roll around and you begin conscious of that, you won't think a thing in the world about dealing with the devil any more than you'd think about praying to be healed. All right. Now, look, we're still in Luke 4. Let's read verse uh, 40 and 41. And now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with different diseases, various diseases, divers just means various, brought them to him, brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, and, though he's not done talking, and demons also came out of many. I want you to make a note of that word many. But we can see from this uh, that deliverance was part of what he did to get some of them healed. Do you see that? And then it says, and demons, it should read demons. There's only one devil, Lucifer, (laughs) Satan. There's, uh, you know, I don't know how many demons there are, but there's enough to go around, unfortunately. Demons also came out of many. How many? Many, many not just a few. See, I think we think that, oh, that was a wild man of Gadara. He was naked and beat himself with stone. That's just one incident. 
Most of the people that Jesus, let me talk to you a minute. Most of the people that Jesus ministered to were just average citizens. Merchants, people that went to synagogue. Now synagogue is not a church, it's a Jewish place. But it's the same type of thing by mentality because they had an instructor that ministered out of the Word of God, the Old Testament, to people, read the Word and explained it. Isn't that right? And a lot of times Jesus go in synagogues and that's where deliverance took place. Plus it took place out on the street corners. In the city park, yeah. in a restaurant, on an airplane, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't have airplanes back then, but anyway. Now, look at this. And demons came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, Son of God, and he rebuking them. Even, even the devil was right, but he rebuked him for it. He says he suffered them or allowed them not to speak. See, I told you, just follow his example. You, you can point out the one time that he said, you know, what's your name, but... I wouldn't go down that trail too far because that's just one incident out of all the Bible. Pay attention to me. You can learn something. Don't let the devil talk. Shut him up. You know, I think it's, and say with me in Luke, but I think it's Psalm 8 says, out of, uh, uh, out of your praise comes strength and out of children comes praise. And that word literally in the Hebrew means it shuts the devil up. When you praise God, it shuts the devil up. Hallelujah. Don't let him talk to you. If you're attacked, you say, you get out of my mind. You get your stuff and get on down the road here. I'm not listening to you. You're not my God. All right, so he didn't allow them to speak. So now let's move on here. Let's go to Luke chapter 6 and verse 17 through 19. I'm going to run a little word study with you, a little a scriptural basis here, of course. And he came down, verse 17, Luke 6, 17, he came down, Jesus did with them, stood in the plain. Uh, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed, a better way to say that, those who were molested, those who were harassed with unclean spirits, or you could even use the word tormented, and they were healed. So not, what did he say deliverance was in this passage? Healing. Healing. Yeah. Just time to help you here. And, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue. The real word is power. It's dunamis in the Greek, which means self-energizing power was coming out of Jesus. It wasn't virtue like we think of virtue, but it was the power out of him and healed them all. But I wanted you to see this here. And they that were vexed or harassed, or tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Now go to chapter 7 now, verse 21. You with me okay? Yeah. I'm just running some references here. And we could go all over the place, but we're going to stay primarily in Luke for a little bit here. But Luke seven twenty-one. and in that same hour, Jesus, he cured many, how many? Many, of their infirmities, and many of plagues, and many of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. So again, we see he was healing people of their infirmities or weaknesses or sicknesses or plagues and of evil spirits. They were healed. They were delivered. The same word in the New Testament. You know, it says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It should read the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith shall deliver the sick. Same thing. See, I'm trying to bring it on a level where we can comprehend this. Chapter 8. Look at chapter 8 with me, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass afterwards that he... You know, every one of these are a different time in Jesus' ministry. 
And it came to pass afterwards that he, Jesus, went throughout every city and village preaching and showing, or I would say preaching and demonstrating, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed, they had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven demons. Now here's another thought. So you say, well, I wonder how many's in there. Don't matter how many's in there. Just rebuke it and command it to come out. Some people get so technical, get so much in their analytical head, you miss the whole point of what I'm trying to teach you. I hope you're paying attention to me. I've got almost 40 years of doing this. Never been threatened, never been hurt, never just do what I'm told to do. And I learned this all from Jesus in the book of Acts, the early church, how to do what I'm doing. He just said, follow my lead, do what I do, and you'll be all right. And I've, I've just done that, and I'm all right. <laughs> I wanted you to see they were healed of evil spirits. Isn't that funny? And I don't think most people even get a clue of that. They think Hollywood, what they produce on screen is real deliverance. And I realize there can be some super... I'm going to talk to you about some of the people that I've got delivered and some of the unusual things they did when they got delivered. But we're not looking for stuff to happen. Just listen to me. If something gets out of control, I will put it in control. Amen. I'm just talking to you. I'm not bragging, but I'm not afraid of people and I'm not afraid of the devil. Amen. Just talking to you here. Remember, you're in control. If you're not and you don't believe it, then stay away from this because you're liable to get hurt. We're not playing games in doing this. This is not like a parlor game like Scrabble. You're going to get hurt if you're just trying to do Remember those guys, the Jewish uh, guys, they said, well, we can do this too. And they command the spirit to come out and it ripped their clothes off, beat the tar out of them. That's right. That's right. That's right. But see, he said, who are you? Well, I'm Michael Jacobs, but I'm in Christ. I'm not a sub heir, I'm a joint heir. Yes. You need to understand that. If you don't understand your authority, I've got a whole chapter dedicated in my book to our authority as a believer. Realize you have authority. I don't think we realize what authority we have. I read it to you the first night in Luke 10. The spirits are subject to you. And he said, don't even get excited about that. I mean, that's so below what I'm really doing. He says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, I don't think we see it that way. Spirits. Plural, the good spirits and the evil, they're subject to you and me. If we only realize that, we could control everything around us. Now, you're not going to control everything for everybody. If people still want to view porn in this city, they'll find it. People still want to run around, act crazy, get drunk, fight, kill each other, they'll still do that. But it won't affect you personally if you take authority over the devil. (laughs) All right, let's go to chapter 9 here. Verses 1 and 2 and 6, chapter 9 of Luke. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Now this is interesting here. He uses two different words, power, the strength to get it done, but the authority also over how many devils? All All of them. I never think, well, I wonder if I can handle that. You better just sit down if you think that. If you won't. See, you let the devil put that in your head and you get intimidated. Don't, you've got authority over all devils. Yeah. Now, some people don't want delivered. That's okay with me if they don't want to be delivered. I mean, I can't force it. Jesus couldn't force it. Right. 
I hope you realize it. It said they brought them to him. I never had a problem getting anybody delivered or healed that came to me who came of their own volition, if they listened to me. All right. He gave them power and authority over all devils. And I may mention this once before. I'm going to repeat it. Jesus never sent out anybody, including you, without giving you full authority and power over all devils. Mark 16 is the passage that we so frequently quote, and that's a good one. I, you, in my name, no special anointing, no special unction. I started out doing it just like that, just using the name of Jesus, come out of them. And they started obeying. And if they tried to talk, I said, shut up. You will hold your peace. And just, and just rebuked them in the name of Jesus, and they all obeyed me. One of them talked back one time, that lady I told you the first one, he, and a man's voice spoke out of her, and he said, I will not, and kind of angry about it. And I said, by God you will, and you'll shut up too. And he came out. Not bragging on me. See, I'm, you're doing it in Jesus' stead. You're an ambassador. You know, we, let's get into that letter, the letters of the new covenant. You've got to get renewed over there where you, under, you identify with the right thing. That's You're right. an ambassador. That means if you run into trouble, you know how to fix it. Yes, yes, amen. amen. <clears throat> All right, that's for every believer. Now, when I started, I didn't have any special anointing. I've since got one, but I mean, I didn't even ask for that. Hallelujah. All right. You know, you can't help people that don't want help. I'm trying to get this over. I don't think you see it yet. I had, I had a couple come to my church. They seemed decent, uh, you know, economic level, the way they dress and the way they talked, educated people. And they had a young girl. I'd say she was 13 or 14. They'd been with me about a month, maybe two months. They were new to me. I didn't know them very well. They came to me one day and said, could we talk to you privately a second? I said, sure. And we stepped aside and they said, our daughter is 14, and we just had her committed to a mental institute because she sneaks out at night and has sex with boys, and we think she's doing dope and drinking. Would you come pray for her? I said, I will under two conditions. Number one, you're there with me as the parents, and I have your full agreement. If you can't answer yes to those two, I'm not coming. Because I learned that from Dr. Sumrall. He said, don't minister to children unless you have a parent or a guardian who's in agreement with you because those kids end up worse shape because they won't keep it. So they said, that'd be fine. And well, we made a date and I had to go. It was a Catholic-run mental hospital and I had to sign in and they had a guard that took me up to her floor. It was a locked ward. He undid the door and shoved me in, said she's in room 12. You know, locked the door behind me. And I went down, knocked on the door, came in, there was mom and dad. And the, when the girl saw me, she ran in the corner and started whimpering like a little puppy. And I said to the father and mother, now listen, I'm going to go over there and you're coming with me, dad. I'm going to lay my hands on your daughter and rebuke that thing. And I started to go and he took my arm. And I said, what's the matter with you? He said, well, me and her mother have been thinking. I think fire shot out of my eyes. I said, you're not going to tell me what you think you're going to tell me, are you? Yeah, we decided we don't want your help. We're go I said, you people are crazy. You should be the ones locked up. 
Do you realize what you're saying here? you got an opportunity to get your daughter delivered from this. And if she would behave herself in here, she'd get out in a few days, maybe a week. But you're going to let her be on medication. And you know she's already had sex, so that's going to be a frequent thing. And even in here, if a boy can get to her or maybe another girl. I mean, I'm just talking to the parents. (laughs) And you're going to subject your daughter to that kind of lifestyle. What is wrong with your brains? I was kind of getting hot. They said, well, we don't want your help. I said, well, you should have never asked me. I'm going to have to leave her like I found her. That was a long walk to get back out of that hospital for me. And I had, you know, prayed and fasted and sought the Lord and went over my scriptures and prayed about her. But, you know, you can't help people if they don't want you. Just thought you'd like to know that. I don't know. I hope that she got some help eventually, but I just know how mental hospitals are because I was once in one as a patient. It didn't do me any good. I got out. I was worse drug addict than when I went in. All right, moving right along. I was talking to you. I mean, I understand how natural people try to handle things, but that's all they can do is natural. Tell me about your background. Tell me about your parents. Tell me about your woes. And We pet each other's devils in this group therapy. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. And then I privately with the head psychiatrist, I met with him weekly. And, and after a while, he said, you're not getting any better. And I said, well, I want to get better. He said, well, you're not. You're not getting better. And if you don't get better pretty soon, I'm going to send you back to... Bethesda, I was in the military then, the Naval Hospital, and he said, you can get out with the full whatever. I said, I don't want anything from the Navy. Hallelujah. They don't owe me nothing. Hallelujah. Just moving along. Okay, I better move on here. (laughs) So he gave them a power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases in verse 6, and they departed and went through the towns, plural, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So wouldn't you think that that would include deliverance? Yes. Yeah, and he went through the towns. Every town they went into, they preached and ministered. Now, let's go to Luke 10 again. We were over here once already this week, but we didn't take verse 1 and verse 8 and 9 and then verse 17 through 20. First, verse, uh, Luke 10, verse 1, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face, into every city and place whither he himself would come. And there's another little side thought. It's good to have somebody that knows how to agree with you when you minister like this. I'm not, I'm not saying I've always had a companion <clears throat> to stand with me, but Dale Tillett, he's been my friend for over 37 years. He works for me, and we've been through a lot. He's been with me many, many, many times when I cast the devil out of people. And sometimes he got something I didn't get, you know, at that moment. And we ministered to people together. Then back in Otisco, when I remember the church you can see the end of the world from? When I was there, I had a couple ladies that were spiritual, and I called them to help me sometimes, too, and to pray for people. I'm just talking to you. All right, in verse 8 and 9, And into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein. And it would imply, as we read verse 17, that some of the sick had demonic problems. And the 70 returned, verse 17, Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned again with joy. Now, I like to emphasize this with joy. They didn't come back beat up. 
Remember the seven sons of Sceva? They, they were believers. The devil says, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but you, I don't know nothing about you. Who are you? See, so you've got to know your authority and be in Christ. Hallelujah. All right. And the 70 returned again with joy. This is what they said. Even the devils or demons are subject unto us through thy name. And verse uh, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, types of demonic powers. That's what that represents, serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. Over how much? All. all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. There's nothing you can't overcome. All right. Just don't, just don't quit. Stay with it. Stay with it. Just stay with it. You'll get on the other side of everything eventually. Stay with it. So many people start good, but they can't finish. I've been in this 40 years. I mean, if I had everybody that ever came through my church, I'd have a church of 3,000 people. We got less than 200 probably. Because they didn't stay with it. They didn't stay with their man of God. They didn't stay with me. They didn't stay with the Word. They didn't stay with progress. They didn't stay with tithing. They didn't stay with attendance. They didn't stay with the ministry of helps. They, and when we said something they didn't like, they just left. Instead of taking the 98th percent of things I said that they could agree with and just float in that and let God correct them as they grew up. Hallelujah. I think I slipped back into pastor mode. Hang on. Get out of that. <laughs> and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, you need, to, you need to not just memorize that scripture. You need to think about it. You need to think about it. And, and when you think you've thought enough about it, you're just starting. Some of these things I've been saying and thinking for almost 40 years. I've gained momentum as I went. Sometimes I had a little setback, but I just kept on coming. Just kept on moving. And if I made a mistake, then the Lord would correct me, and I would see that, and i say, okay, I see I could have handled that a little different. Yeah. See, I used to go to the hospital for people that knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody, but I don't do that no more for anybody unless the Lord tells me because most of those were empty ventures. Didn't bear any fruit. Occasionally it does if the Lord tells you, but a lot of times people want you to go Remember, remember Sue and Betty. Betty's dragging Sue up to the altar. Pray for her, Dr. Jacob. Pray. What does Sue want prayed for? That's the thing. Just because Betty wants her free because that's her girlfriend doesn't mean, you know what I mean, the two little girls or two young men or two young ladies or older people. You can't get free because Mama wants you free. You've got to get free because you want to be free. Hallelujah. You can be free from anything you need to get free from. All right, so it says in verse 20, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to move a little different direction here. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, but the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Praise the Lord. But he makes that comment, the spirits are subject unto you. All through this passage, 17 through 20, is tremendous revelation to meditate on constantly. When you're thinking about the devil. See, because what happens is if the devil has a stronghold or a foothold or he gains momentum in your life, you think he's big, bad, and ugly. But you think about these scriptures right here, these three or four verses, all of a sudden you get bigger on the inside than you look on the outside. 
and the devil learns to not come around you, he's going to get a black eye and a busted spleen, and you're going to take him out. You know what I mean? Hurt him. Now, you can't fight him physically. It has to be in the spirit. Did I hit a dead note there? You've got to have something on the inside of you. You, you, could, you, could, you could get up here, you know. I know I'm not going to let you. But you could get up here and scream at somebody. devil come out and the devil just laugh at you. If you don't know what you're doing. But you can. You can't just copy me. I'm not trying to make you clones. I'm trying to tell you what 40 years have put in me, what's more important than other things and how to think right about the devil. The devil is defeated as far as you're concerned. He's not annihilated. He's not annihilated. He's just... He's defeated as far as you and I are concerned. But if you don't exercise your dominion, then he, he'll continue to rise up and do all kinds of stuff. All right, let's go to Mark chapter 3 a minute. You getting anything yet? Mark chapter 3. And how do you get bigger on the inside, Dr. Jacobs? Well, you're going to have to pray in tongues. That's part of it. You're going to have to read the Word. And besides just reading the Word, you're going to have to do what I just taught you, meditate on it. See, nothing is revelation to you until you have it. Do you understand that? You know, Ephesians 1, that prayer, I don't know if you know, I think you know your Bible pretty well, but Ephesians 1 said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. See, I'm not thinking, well, I kind of know that. No, I know it. I mean, we got human beings in the planet today that are male, born male, but they don't know if they're male or female. They don't know much. And the devil takes advantage of what people don't know. And I'm telling you anymore, it's a dangerous planet to live in without God. Yeah, I've had two people healed of AIDS in my church, but, you know, they, they're really not faithful people. So, you know, I don't know what will happen to them later if you're not going to stay with it. We got you delivered from this disease. We have lab reports that indicate they were delivered and free from it. But you know, can't go back and play in that mud pile. You're going to get dirty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hope I wasn't too strong for you last night. I'm trying to <laughs> said some strong things, but you need to hear it. Yeah, you do. I'm in Mark chapter 3 here. Hang on, we're going to go somewhere this morning. Uh, verse 14 and 15, I'm reading this passage to you to show you what it's going to take to make you effective in this ministry. That's the reason I'm, I'm using this scripture, Mark 3, verse 14. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. See, you're going to have to spend some time with him. You're not the 12. I'm not the 12. I'm not trying to be. I'm just Michael P. Jacobs. That's who I am. But I'm spending time with him so that I can be effective. You know, I'm kind of like Dr. Dufresne. I'm not trying to be Dr. Dufresne. My name's different, and I'm a different person. I got something from him. And, uh, and I'm thankful. But my, my rule of thumb is to be back in my room by 2 o'clock. Sometimes it fudges a little bit, but not much. And what do you do? Well, I might rest. I might pray in tongues. I might look over my scriptures. I might listen to a teaching. 
you know, and put my earbud in or my little speaker with my iPad or iPod or whatever I'm using. And, and I'm praying and I'm get, asking God for the mind, His mind for that service. You know, I've been teaching this a long time and I've got 40, 40 messages I could preach, but I've got four times with you, so I've got to be sensitive to ask God what does He want me to talk about each service. That would be the most beneficial. But what I'm trying to show you is Though you're not part of the 12, God will ordain you if you'll spend enough time with Him and you'll have power to preach, and not necessarily with the pulpit, but you'll have power wherever you go yeah. to open yeah. your mouth yeah. and say what needs to be said yeah. Yeah. and that it'll register on people. And He gives you power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. But you're going to have to spend time with Him. You can't spend time watching TV all day and come to a service and expect to get lot. You don't look very friendly this morning. Everybody smile. Come on now, smile at me. There you go. Let me see those teeth. Okay, thank you. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew 4 and look at something here. Hallelujah. Matthew 4. I'm going to let you stay right there a minute. I'm coming back to you in Matthew 4. But I wanted to tell you about this... uh, I want to talk about some of the incidents that we've had. I was in Mexico. I've probably been in Mexico 50 times, maybe more. I don't know. I've been on almost 100 mission trips now all over the world. And I was in Mexico in Guadalajara, or they say Guadalajara. (laughs) Not bad for a gringo, I know. That's about all I know. I know how to look for the restroom, watch signs, so I go in the right one, you know. (laughs) And order agua, por favor, water. (laughs) All right. But I was in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I was preaching down there for one of my friends, Aaron Kolb. He's a, really an apostle of God, wonderful man of God, him and his family. They've been there probably 30 years, maybe longer, maybe 40. But uh, he's a gringo, but he's really Mexican now. He's lived so much among the Hispanic people. And I was preaching, and all of a sudden there was a guy, and I'd ministered at the altar, and there was a guy coming down the center aisle, and this church was a lot longer than this church, you know. And he got about to the last row right here from me. And I discerned he had a spirit about him, an evil spirit. And he started barking at me like a dog and growling. You ever been to a service somebody start barking like a dog and growling? And I noticed all of a sudden there was about four ushers got up out of their seat to try to contain him. He was still about 10, 10 or 12 feet from me. And I said, you shut up and come out of him. And he, he took one more step and he froze like this. <laughs> and he was in a trance. And all of a sudden out of the corner of his mouth came this slimy looking stuff. I don't know what it was. It was not normal. And it kind of looked like he had taken an Alka-Seltzer in his mouth in this white foam tumbled out of his mouth and made a pool. He's still in a trance, but he's dripping. He's dripping out of the side of his mouth, drooling. I mean, it made a big puddle like maybe, I don't know, I'd say maybe, maybe that big. And it looked like it was bubbling when it was on the concrete, like it was alive or something. It was wild. And all of a sudden, he snapped back to himself, and he goes, where am I? And I said, you're at church. Give me your hand. You need to receive Jesus. And he prayed with me to receive Jesus. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm going to let you shout in a minute. So the next day, 
I go, it was a Saturday night, Sunday morning, I came back to preach Sunday morning for Pastor Cole and uh, this apostle. <laughs> and I saw this boy sitting in about the third row, but with him were some adult people. He was probably 27 or 28, maybe 30. But I saw some people look like they were 50. And then there was another girl there, looked like she was a teenager. All of them sitting together. And when I gave the invitation, all four of them came up. The guy I administered to the night before, and, it come to, and of course Aaron's interpreting, he's quick on that. And the lady said, Is, are you the man that cast that thing out of my son? I said, yes ma'am, I am. And you know, Aaron is dialoguing. And she said, you know, we couldn't believe it because our son was so violent and so angry and so out of control, we had to lock him out of the house. We put him out months ago. He wasn't allowed to be in our home anymore. He was just too erratic and too strange. And we felt like he would murder us in the middle of the night. But said last night he came to the front door. Mom, Dad, let me in. I'm different. Mom, Dad, let me in. I'm different. And the lady, the lady went on to say, me and my husband, he's standing there with her, you know, and the other girl is his sister, we found out. We had a big discussion. He's on the other side of the door. We got it bolted, and we yeah. looked at each other. Should we let him in or not? Yeah. Yeah. We don't trust him. He's such a liar. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And he kept on. said he knocked for 45 minutes. Mom, Dad, let me in. I, I swear to God I'm different. I swear. said he came in. He fell on the couch. He began to weep and cry and said, I went to a church tonight. I'm not sure how I got there. And a man cast something out of me, and I'm a new person. Now, that's not the big thing. Then she says to me, this is my husband, this is my daughter. We all want to receive that Jesus that helped him get delivered. That's what you call power evangelism. (laughs) Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. True story. I didn't embellish a thing about it. Now, let's look at Matthew 4. You're probably parked there. Verse 23 and 24, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Notice the order here, teaching, preaching, and healing. We could say teaching, preaching, and deliverance. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people. Notice again, they brought them to him. Uh, they brought them to him. Let me find my place here. All sick people that were taken with different diseases, various diseases and torments. There's that word torments. And those which were possessed with devils and those that were lunatic. And that would mean very extremely mental problems. So there's different levels here. There's people that have severe mental issues, people that are possessed of the devil, and there's people with torment. Remember, that was one of the things I told you the first night. Devils come to torment people. They seem normal. They look normal, but they're not normal. I mean, you see it on TV if you just watch 6 o'clock news or go down to your family court and Merced, you see what humans do to other humans. I mean, I wouldn't camp there because it makes you feel weird after a while that somebody would do something that they did to another person. But it says here they, they were tormented and they were possessed and some were crazy lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Again, it tells us healing is part, deliverance is another form of healing. 
I wanted to talk to you about another incident that happened. I'd been at church one day. I'd worked hard all day. It was 6 o'clock. I normally went home at 5, and everybody was gone of my staff, but my wife was there, and my son, Jordan, was there, and my daughter, Jessica. And my wife, she, I saw, heard the door close, and she went out into the foyer, and she came back in my office, and she said, Honey, there's a guy out there who looks like a biker. He got a bandana on his head, got a motorcycle belt on, got boots on like he just pulled on, up on a Harley. He said, and he wants to talk to you. And I said, tell him to go on. I'm not interested. Now, you looking at me funny. You know, you ever had a day where you put a fork in you, yeah. you're done? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with another human being. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being honest. Yeah. You know, people can wear you out and, and just work and just all the stuff you do as a pastor. And I said, well, tell him to go on. Then the Lord very sweetly and quietly said, you could help him if you wanted to. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> I could help him if I wanted to. I said, hold up, honey. I'll come see him. So I go out in the foyer. This guy's about 6'3". He's about as big as my son-in-law, Jacob. And Jacob, my son-in-law, happened to be there too. The rest of my staff had all left at 4, and it was 6. And you could put a fork in me at 5, I was done. But now it's 6 o'clock, and I, and I said, well, yeah, what do you need? And he said, well, my sister. What about your sister? He, his sister wasn't there with him. He said, I, I, I tried to cast the devil out of her, and she spoke with a man's voice. <laughs> and, and he said it scared, and he didn't use, he used the real word, scared the you-know-what out of me. <laughs> I started to say, jerk that bandana off. Take those boots off you, baby. That's what I wanted to say to him. He's, too, he's almost twice as big as I am. And he goes, my God, I don't know what to do. Well, where is your sister? Well, she's out in the car. Well, go get her. So he goes to the car, and in comes this lady. She's 20 years older than him. Got her purse in her hand like this, and she's walking like this. Just a little bit of a lady. I mean, just a real petite woman. And she came in the foyer and looked at me and started growling. I don't know what it is people want to growl at me. Yeah, she did. And started barking like a dog. And I said, she'll be all right. In Jesus' name, come out. You know, my son came down the hall about that time when she was growling. Jordan. He was probably 15 or 60. And like one of those chatty Kathy dolls with the string, you pull it and they talk... He went, started back down the hall. <laughs> One of the funniest things ever. And I look over in the window in the office, and they're peeking through the blind. My wife and my daughter, they're, well, he's got a real one out here. Look out. Oh, brother. <laughs> I grabbed her around the head and said, come out of her. And her eyes rolled back in her head. She started having looked like a seizure. I've seen that a hundred times probably in my ministry. They get like that sometimes. They look like they're having a seizure. They get all contangled. She fell on the floor, and I looked at him. He went, oh, my God, did you kill her? I said, no, she's all right. Stop it. Take that bandana off, you big baby. You big sissy. Take that biker belt off. You ain't nothing. You're riding a motor scooter. You're not even riding a Harley. Oh, brother. 
You didn't think it was that funny, did you? Deliverance. It's hilarious sometimes. And she finally came to and she was delivered. And I said, now you two need to come to church here and get some word in you. Then I told mushers, look out for him because he ain't right. But hopefully he'll come and sit down and behave. But we're going to watch him, make sure he don't follow somebody in the boys' room or whatever. I'm just talking. Anyway, talking to you. Yeah, the real deal. And, she, and you know, he came one time without her, and then that was it. He never came back. See, sometimes, you know, you extend yourself because you want to be merciful. And sometimes it's helpful, but sometimes not so much. All right, praise the Lord. Let's, let's go over here to the book of Acts, chapter 10. This is going to help us. You learned anything today? <laughs> praise God forevermore. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now we're talking about an anointing on Jesus. I don't think I took you back there, but you can write this passage down with this one. It's Matthew 8, 16 and 17. And it says, With his word he cast out spirits. No special anointing on him that it lists there in Matthew 8. But then there came a time when the anointing came on him how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now this word oppressed is an interesting word in the Greek New Testament. It means to be weighed down in mind or body. And that's what the devil does. He weighs people down in their mind and their bodies. He either makes them sick physically or makes them sick mentally or emotionally. And, you know, it's sad that, you know, people come to church and they don't ever get any help. They come sit up under the Word, but they don't ever grow. There's some kind of problem there if you're not growing and maturing. Well, to realize there's something trying to hinder that. Jesus, it says he healed all, again, healing and deliverance. Listen to me. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So to be weighed down in your body would cause physical problems. To be weighed down in your mind or emotionally or mentally cause mental and emotional problems. Yeah, but it says he healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I'm telling you that's important to know that scripture. And we're following Jesus. We're supposed to be following Jesus. Anybody listening to me? Yeah, we sure are. You know, I got invited to a church one time. This guy was a, a professor at a Christian college. And then he went in full-time ministry. He had a tremendous testimony. He was on 700 Club and... Uh, I don't remember what the one with Jimmy Baker, what was that called, down in Charlotte. Praise the Lord, he was on there. He was healed of several major diseases and gave his in full gospel businessmen. Anyway, he asked me to come preach one time, and he told me in the office before I came out, have your way, have your liberty, do whatever you need to do. Well, I had a prayer line. I got in this prayer line. I got to this one lady. She was an older woman than the rest of them, not super elderly, but I, and back then I was probably 30 and she was probably 65, but she was dressed real sharp and I knew she probably had some means. But when I stood in front of her, the Lord said, cast that thing out of her. <laughs> I grabbed her by the head and I said, come out! And something came out. And I went on down the prayer line, got in the back room, the pastor rebuked me. He said, how dare you do that? I said, how dare I do what? What's the problem? He said, that was my biggest giver. And you rebuked the devil off of her. I said, well, pastor, you told me to have my liberty. Yeah. 
if I didn't see something, I wouldn't have done it. I said, I apologize if I've called you any discomfort, but I'm not apologizing for obeying God. You told me to obey God before I come out here. He never had me back. You know, some people don't want, to, don't want you around. I said, well, she'd probably be a better giver now. She got the devil off of her. I don't know. I mean, it seemed to me you would be if you had a devil being stingy on you and withholding everything. Yeah. Anyway. So sometimes you get persecuted for obeying God. Sometimes you just do. Hallelujah. Then I, I had, a, I had a, a pastor in Louisville. I was close to it one time. And he once a year we would trade churches. In other words, he would come over. He was an African-American. He came over. He's just a covenant man, but I'm just telling you. He'd come over with his church and bring his praise team, and he would preach in my church. And then I'd go to his church, bring my praise team, and preach in his church. Well, I was at his church when this happened. And I had a word of knowledge about depression. I've had a lot of success with helping people get out of depression. You can call it oppression. You can call it depression. You can call it whatever you want. It's just they've got some mental issues. And it's bogging them down in their life. In some, some cases, extremely. And I saw on Good Morning America a while back, they said that one, I thought they said one out of eight or one out of ten was on an antidepressant depressant medicine in America. And then Dr. Dufresne said he saw another show on TV and it said it was one out of eight. And that's 40 million people in, North, in the United States on some form of antidepressants. And that's just the stuff we have pharmaceutical knowledge of. You know, there's a lot of stuff underground that gets passed. Anyway, I'm, I'm an ex-drug addict, so I know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I gave this word for depression. I got to this one lady. She was a member of my church. Her name, she has a funny name. It sounds like an Indian. Tawanta. Tawanta Phelps is her name. She's a white lady. And I got to her, and the Lord said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. So you want to be a minister, huh? Here we go. <laughs> So being a good pastor I was, I laid my hands on her head. I said a really good prayer. You would have been impressed. I'm just telling you, you would have really been impressed with me. And so she stood there a minute. She didn't fall out or nothing, not that that's uh, important. And then she finally, after she praised God, she started back to her seat. And, Lord, and then the Lord yelled at me on the inside. He said, are you going to obey me or not? I said, Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. It's a true story. And I'm just so glad she shut her eyes when she raised her hands. <laughs> I let her have it as hard as I could hit her in the belly. That's what the Lord told me to do. And But when I hit her, this spirit came out of her chest. Looked like a bird-looking creature with a funny face on it. Not, how, not, not like not funny, like demonic-looking creature. But it looked like a bird, like a giant raven or something. And he came, he came out of her chest kind of like this, and he flew through the wall of the church. She fell out. And I didn't think anything. You better know that her, her husband was a Marine. You better hear from God. Yeah. Hitting a woman in the stomach as hard as you can. But that's, So she came to me after the service, and I said, to one, I want to ask something. Did you feel anything? I just felt the anointing, but somebody said, you slugged me. <laughs> I said, I did. And I said, you notice anything? I'm, I'm listening to her. You know, she said, something came out of my chest. I said, it was the spirit of depression. And I saw it fly through that wall over there. <laughs> yeah. 
Because, you know, in the office of the prophet, sometimes you see more than others. I'm not bragging on me. I was in, uh, in Iowa preaching. I forget the pastor's name. It wasn't Pastor Eberly. It was another city. And I called this young girl up. She must have been 20. And I said, I don't know why I got you up here. She said, well, I don't know. You called me up. <laughs> then I got tickled at her. I said, well, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Lift your hands. She lifted her hands up like this. She's facing me. And I grabbed her around her head, and I could tell something was in there. And I said, come out of her. And this spirit came out of her armpit, flew through the wall over there. So I said to her when I got done, she was all ready to go back. I said, hold up. What happened to you when I prayed? She said, the weirdest thing, something came out of my armpit. I said, you sure did. You just got delivered. Hallelujah. I've seen spirits come out of people's heads (laughs) and other places I won't mention. And sometimes come out of people's mouth. I was down at Pastor Nancy's preaching a while back, maybe four years ago. Had a line for something. A young man was in front of me, and I command that thing come out of him. And he fell on the floor kind of on his rear end. He was sitting up halfway. And this, when I saw this thing come out of his mouth. And he came to me after the service, and he said, Dr. Jacobs, I had the weirdest sensation. Something terrible came out of me. It smelled horrible. It came out of my mouth. I said, you got delivered. I saw it come out. See, sometimes they just, you don't have to see anything come out. But sometimes I'm, you know, God allows me to see into that realm. Just talking to you here a minute. Hallelujah. So, just talking to you. Spirit, I put down here, spirit have come out of people's heads. I was in South America one time. I don't remember what the prayer line was for. I don't remember if I had a word of knowledge. And I got to this one. It happened to be a young lady. I'd say she was 30. And I said to my interpreter, ask her why she's up here. And she said, I have this pain in my head that's excruciating. And I said, tell her to put my hand on that place. So she put my hand on the side of her head like this. I put, you know, like this, like I'm facing her and I put my hand there. And when I put my hand there, I saw my hand fly away and I saw this thing come out of her head and fly through the wall of the church. So I said, in Jesus' name, come out of her. I kept my hand on her head. When I got done, I said, what happened to you? She said, I don't understand this. Like my head opened up and something flew out of it. I said, you just got delivered. See, many times I've asked people to confirm what I was seeing. I didn't tell them what I saw. Yeah, I was in Manzanillo, Mexico about six years ago with my youth. I had about 35 young, went on a mission trip. And I was in Pastor Maria Rancun's church. She's a pastor down there. She's got about four or 500 people. I was with her when she had 50 people. But I had a word of knowledge about heart issues, and people came, and I prayed. I started to pray for, it was a man, I prayed for him. When I laid my hands on his head, this angel came out from around my right side and stuck his hand in his chest about up to there, and he started what looked like to my eyes like he's opening a safe, but he was adjusting that heart. When I took my hand off his head, he pulled his arm out. I went to, I didn't tell him what I saw. I went to, and there was a woman, and I laid my hands on her head and prayed for her heart. When I did, that angel stepped around and stuck his hand in her chest, started doing the same. And every, there were seven of them, and that angel worked with me on all seven of them. And when it was over, this lady, the second lady, ran up to me. She said, did you see that angel put his hand in my chest? I said, did you see that angel put his hand in your chest? <laughs> I wasn't going to tell her anything until she told me. She said, yes, I did. And he was correcting something, and when he took his hand out, I was totally... Symptom free. There's a lot of things we don't always say to everybody, you know, because people are already confused. I'm not being mean. I don't want to confuse people. 
And sometimes I don't tell everybody everything I see. Yeah. Wouldn't always be appropriate and it'd take too long. But anyway, that's happened. Now we're talking about angels now, but a little bit. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Now let's talk for just a minute. What time is it? All right. Uh, let's talk for just a minute here. I think I want to talk about this here. Can a Christian have a demon? I haven't answered that question. Nobody asked it, but you may have been thinking it. And the answer is absolutely. Let me show you some scriptures to validate that. Go to the book of Joel, chapter 2, the Old Testament book called Joel, J-O-E-L. You go Daniel, Hosea, uh, Joel. If you get to Amos, you've went too far. So go back to Joel and find Joel, chapter 2. And, of course, this passage, 28 through 32, is quoted in the book of Acts, chapter 2 about the pouring out of the Spirit. But there's something in this that I'm, I'm tagging for us to understand something. And it's in verse 32 of Joel 2. You could start in verse 28. For time's sake, I won't. I'll just read verse 32. And it shall come to pass uh, that whosoever, that's anybody, shall call on the name of the Lord. Are you with me? Yes. Shall be delivered for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. Well, I'm not an Israeli. But it goes on to say, As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant, that's, there we are, whom the Lord shall call. We're the remnant. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're not, we're not Israelites. We're New Covenant people. But we're the remnant. The church is the remnant. But notice it says deliverance is going to be in all those places, even in the remnant. That would be us. Let's go into the New Testament now. You with me so far? Yeah. Go to 1 Timothy 4. I want to show you from your Bible so there's no mistake about it that I didn't make this up. Because a lot of people say, well, I just don't think I could have a devil. Well, wait a minute here. If you mean a devil in your spirit, absolutely not. Because your spirit is the reborn part of you that's got the nature of God in it. You're a new creature in Christ. But you know when you got saved, if you had brown eyes, it didn't turn green. Isn't that right? If you were bald, you didn't grow hair. If you were fat, you didn't get thin. You see, you know, you just, but your spirit man is made new. But your flesh and your physical body and your mind, that can be areas where the devil invades people. Makes them sick. Makes them depressed. Makes them moody. I know you don't like that, but this is the truth. You, you need to learn to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I understand hormones and other thing, And I understand all that. I'm not throwing at anybody. I'm just talking. But we've got to learn that we can be the same yesterday. And if we're not, there's a problem <laughs> with us somewhere. So what I'm saying is the devil can affect your mind or your soulish realm or your emotions to a large degree. Just like that young girl. See... That 14-year-old girl, she got caught up with sex and drugs and boys. It, that's what you do. When you get caught up with boys and you're a young girl and you don't have God and you don't care about God, you just do whatever turns you on or whatever your boyfriend wants you to do. I don't, I'm not mixing words here. I'm just trying to help you. And we need to realize that and we need to be cautious. Hallelujah. And the same for young men. You know, they just get out of control. 
And there's certainly urges in both male and female as you get to be a teenager, and you've got to control that or it'll control you. Right. Yeah. Okay, some of you looking like you don't hear what I'm saying, but it's, I'm not moved by your faces. I just want you to know that. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, or we might say specifically, that in the latter times, or the other translations will say the last days, some, not all, but some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now that doesn't mean seducing there. It doesn't mean just sexual. It can include that. But seducing means to be pulled away from the word in some other direction. That's the best, better way to say that. And so it's telling us there were people that were in the faith that got deluded and got drawn away into things by seducing spirits where somebody must have gave that seducing spirit an inroad or it wouldn't have made any effect. <laughs> you know, I could stop at a 7-Eleven. I'm not worried about buying a six-pack or wine or alcohol because I don't drink anymore. I'm not just a frustrated non-drinker. I'm delivered. I'm not a frustrated ex-smoker. I'm delivered. Okay, I, I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not a frustrated porn user. I'm delivered from it. I'm just talking to you. I'm delivered. But see, if you don't pay attention, some of these things pull you aside and get you, or people get into money. I've got to make a lot of money. I gotta, well, why don't you just do it God's way? I've just put God first in my giving for 40 years, and he's taking care of me now that I'm older. Supernaturally. I'm 66. I don't take a salary from my church anymore. I could. I'm the founding pastor, but they gave me a retirement package. It's decent. I appreciate it. Praise God. But that's not all that I live on. My sons and daughters are taking care of me. And other means and other ways that God has provided. But I never invested in banks and stocks and bonds. Nothing wrong with that. But I always put giving to God first for 40 years. I'm a tither and I'm an offering giver. Hallelujah. Are you still here? So this says too, now according to the New Covenant, 1 Timothy is in the New Covenant, that some people could fall away from the faith because something got a hold of them. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and look at another verse here real quickly. This is helping us, I think it's helping you to see. We're not saying everybody has a demonic problem, but we're saying if we don't know this is available Something could sneak in on us, and we're not even aware that that's happening almost. And sometimes I've found it's, I hate to tell you, but I've been a pastor a long time, you know, I'm not now, I'm a prophet, but nonetheless, talking with people, some people are in deep sin, and, and I try to say, well, that's wrong, didn't you know that? Well, I didn't know that, well, I've taught you that's wrong. See, but something has deceived them in their head, and they think they're okay. What would make you think that's okay to live like that and think like that and behave like that? What were you thinking? I don't think you were thinking. Certainly weren't thinking about the Word. And sometimes people get so far out of fellowship, they lift the protection from God is off of them. I wanted to teach you on Psalm 91 this week, but God wouldn't let me. I've just been teaching in some of my out meetings and at my own church too. You know, he that abideth in the secret place of the Most High. But you've got to abide there. You can't claim Psalm 
91.10 with the angels if you're not abiding in the secret place. You can't claim long life and satisfied life when you're not staying close to God. See, there's qualities and conditions you must meet if you're going to, you know, you got, it's not a refrigerator scripture. You don't have Psalm 91.1 on your refrigerator. Right? Anybody got that on your refrigerator? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Amplified says, a place where no foe can withstand you. And the Amplified's the closest to the Hebrew as I found it. Right there in that passage. But you've got to abide. That doesn't mean you come to church when it's comfortable. You lay out when you don't want to come. You go fishing, boating, swimming, whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just talking to you here. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. Galatians 3 and verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, these are believers. They're struggling with the law and grace thing. That's their problem. But it says, Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? So, see, it's, it's like a spell was put on them, we would say. Who's bewitched you? Somehow the devil got in there and put something on those people, and Paul is rebuking them. You foolish Galatians. <laughs> I read from a different translation in my hotel room, The Passion. It says, what made you so stupid? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just the way it's worded in The Passion New Testament. And... Uh, See, something bewitched somebody. And these are believers here. They're, they're not spiritual like the Philippian church was. But still yet, they were believers. And he said something bewitched them. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians now, chapter 11. I'm just about done. Hallelujah. I don't even know how long I've been talking. Hallelujah. Trying to show you that, and I could give you a lot more, but this is sufficient. You know, there's a 2 Corinthians 11. There's another passage too you could write down. I won't have time to deal with it. It's in Matthew 15, 29 through about 26. And he says that the deliverance is the children's bread. Listen, it's the children's bread, not the non-children of God. That would be us. Are you listening to me? Did I lose you? I took a sharp left turn. You didn't fall out of the truck, did you? <laughs> <laughs> put a bungee cord on you and pull you back in here <laughs> he said deliverance because that lady came and she was not an Israeli and he said I don't owe you anything I'm paraphrasing Jesus was sweeter than me but she said yeah but Lord even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from your table and if I just had a crumb for my daughter she'd be delivered he said woman your faith is great be it unto you according to your heart and he said, it's the children's bread. Deliverance is something you can eat daily if you want. That's the way I interpret it. If it's bread. You know, Oprah's on TV with a commercial for Weight Watchers. I eat bread every day. Isn't that what she said? Brother. This scripture is a shock to my system when I found it. I, I was so glad I found it, though, because I've taught on this for many years, and I didn't know this was in there when I first started teaching. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 11. I don't know if I told you the right passage. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4. But I fear, least by any means, as the serpent... Now, who's that? The devil. 
beguiled Eve or tricked her through his subtlety. You know, that's the way the devil, he's never really, he's kind of a chameleon. Dr. Summerall said he changes colors to throw you off and you don't even see it coming sometimes. He says, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. See, I remember this scripture because remember I told you, I'm getting to my scripture in a minute, but I want to mention this. The simplicity, when people introduce themselves as an apostle and a prophet and a bishop, you don't make sense, shut up. Nobody can understand what you're even talking about. You're not that spiritual. I don't care what you want to title yourself. There is simplicity in the gospel. I am not a complicated person. If you can't understand me, you might as well just quit. Because I am just a straight shooter and just a basic preacher. Not very eloquent, as you can tell. But if I get away from simplicity, then I've lost everything. That's what I'm trying to take to you. But let's look at the next verse. This is the key to it about can a believer get another spirit? For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, another Jesus whom you have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted. So he says here you could receive a different spirit. Doesn't he say that? So we've got to be cautious we don't receive something that's not of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell one more story on deliverance. It's kind of a humorous story too, a little bit. I was having a prayer meeting. Remember my church that you could see the end of the world from there? I had seven men praying with me in the middle of the week. I don't remember what day of the week, maybe a Thursday night. We were praying. It was a little teeny building, probably, well, not as big as this. (laughs) And let's say the front doors are over there, and there was just a little foyer about eight foot wide with two bathrooms to the side and a nursery on the other side and a little teeny foyer and then a door into the sanctuary and all of a sudden the door of the church came open and the door in the sanctuary and a lady stepped in there was seven men and I praying and this was a member of my church and she said I need help I said well I'm having a prayer meeting right now said I need help preacher this lady went to my church her and her husband had three kids I said well come on in what's your problem well, when you were preaching Sunday morning, I wanted to stand up and cuss you out. I said, well, you got a problem. <laughs> oh, God. You wanted to cuss me out. Huh. I said, well, we're going to have to figure this out. And I prayed deliverance over her, and she threw up her hands and acted all grateful and thankful. And, and the Lord said to me, that's all an act. She's not any more delivered than before you prayed. I'm confused now. Well, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm talking internally while I'm looking at her. And she said, thank you, and she started down the aisle. But a couple of my men were back in the back, kind of, it wasn't very wide. And she started down the row, and I said, well, you're not any more delivered when you first came. She said, I am too. I said, you are not. And then I, I thought to myself, what am I going to do to show her? I started praying in tongues. She started running to get out of the church. I said, grab her. So two guys in the back looped her armpits and drug her back up front, (laughs) set her down. (laughs) So you want the deliverance ministry, huh? Hey! (laughs) And I said, lady, you're not any more delivered than when you came in here. What is your problem? I said, sit there and be quiet a minute. 
don't let her leave, you guys. I had six other men. They could handle her. And I started praying in tongues, and I had a vision. And I said, I see you having an abortion. 25 years ago, you killed your baby. She began to weep and cry. She said, oh, my God, how did you know that? I said, the Lord just showed me. And that's the door that you open where the devil's got a hold of you while you'd want to stand up and cuss me out. See, that don't make any sense to your brain. Don't try to figure it out in your head. And she said, and she began to weep and cry sincerely now. And I said, this is it, isn't it? She said, yeah, I don't know how in the world you would have known that. I've never told anybody that. I said, well, you, you, need, to, you need to ask God to forgive you for killing your own child. My God. And if you've done that, listen, forgiveness is available. And we live in a generation today, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this younger culture, they don't think a thing in the world about that. Not at all. No. Because it's acceptable in the United States. Yes. And you can get it done in any podunk yeah. village, you know, exactly. in America. They're making money on it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest. Yeah. But it's wrong to do that. Yes. It'd be better for you to have the baby and give it up for adoption than yes. to murder somebody, a human being. Yes. Anyway, I prayed over and she got delivered. Amen. And was free from that moment on. Yes. 